no matter what you do, whether you're working for somebody or going the entrepreneurial route, you are still uh, going to need to have some sort of structure. So I'm glad that you are telling it like it is. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're out here doing both. So like, I'm excited to get into that conversation because I know oh my goodness. all the time, but like, and even as a wife, it's like, how? <laughs> <laughs> multiple jasmines or like let us let me know listen, now there's one girl listen there's one jasmine but i somehow managed to do are you are we gonna dive into this later oh yes yes, yes okay right, right. Like, we, can, we can just flow right into the conversation yes welcome back to season two of the career thrivers podcast listen go ahead and grab something to write with because this episode is packed with value. Value, free game, gems, whatever language that you use, you don't want to miss any part of this episode. So on the last episode, we talked about the be of bold. That's the word of the year for us over here at Career Thrivers. We're about making bold moves in 2021. And on the last episode, we talked about belief, how important belief is, how to reimagine. Make sure you check out that episode if you missed it. Today, we're going to move on to another one of my favorite topics, and that is ownership. The O of bold is ownership. And ownership simply means, if you look it up, Webster says it is the act, state, or right of possessing something. And when we think about our career in this language of possessing something, often times. And you'll have to tap into our Facebook group and let me know if it's just me. But I often hear a lot of they language when it comes to conversations about our career, whether I am working one-on-one with a client or in one of our quarterly masterminds. I hear a lot of, well, they said, and they won't let me, and they stopped this, right? There's a lot of they language that happens, but in all actuality, the only person that you and I can 100% possess or own is us, is us. And so that's why I'm so passionate about encouraging and equipping leaders to thrive. It is my goal to empower you to own your story, to own your brilliance, and to own your career and leadership development. It is yours. It isn't anyone else's. You can have all of the mentors and the sponsors in the world. You can have the best, most action-oriented IDP, and I hope that you do, individual development plan. And in addition to that, right, it takes your ownership of that process, your ownership of that relationship management to see the career advancement that you want to see. So today we have marketer from iHeartRadio, an avid lifestyle blogger that is living the sweet life all up and down these Nashville streets. Jasmine Sweet is joining us today. And listen, let me tell you while she jumped in so quick, I almost forgot to hit the record button. So listen, I'm excited. But before we check her out, I want you to know that this episode is brought to you by Career Thrivers, who is giving every listener, yes, that means you, if you can hear me right now, regardless of the platform, it includes you, you have access to the Thrive Together Toolkit, meaning free immediate access to courses, resources, and tools to thrive in your career. And let me tell you, there is so much value in this toolkit. Like, and you can literally, as you're listening, check it out right now today. 
it's good. It's going to blow your mind. It, it blows my mind. And we are dropping new tools every month. So make sure you tap in because if you are in a space where you are looking to make a shift in your career, whether that's up, over, or out, make sure you tap into the Thrive Together Toolkit. You can go to, we have a short bit.ly link for easy access. It's bit.ly Thrive Together Toolkit. That's bit.ly bit.ly Thrive Together Toolkit, or just click the link in the show notes of this episode. It'll take you right there. So now let's welcome Jasmine Sweet to the show. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Career Thrivers Podcast. I am excited about this episode. We have none other than Jasmine Sweet with us. Welcome, Jasmine. Hi, everybody. Or should I say, hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag, hello, somebody. (laughs) I love that. Well, if you don't know, one, I don't know where you've been. But just in case you don't know, Jasmine Sweet is an avid lifestyle blogger and an influencer. Make sure that you check her out over at jasminesweet.blog. I'll make sure that that is linked in the show notes as well, where she shares her lifestyle tips and topics on everything ranging from beauty to travel to fashion and listen all the fashion tips so make sure you check her out over there she has also written features in Huffington Post Southern Weddings and Forbes and you may be wondering like okay she's a lifestyle blogger she's an influencer but she seems like she's got this marketing thing down pat well that's not by accident because Jasmine is also the marketing manager over at iHeartRadio so welcome Jasmine she has a ton of experience and I'm excited to dive into this conversation today Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for that awesome introduction. I appreciate it. And I'm excited to talk more with you because you also have been killing it in the business space, entrepreneurial life, plus, you know, your previous experience in corporate. So I'm excited to even learn some some things from you. I learn from you all the time on social media. So yay, we're here. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, we are here with you. You're part of this conversation as well. So thank you all for being here today. So I got to start here because we're testing out the new waters. This is season two for us on the Career Thrivers podcast. And one of the things that we wanted to do is just really highlight the stories of thrivers, people that are moving and shaking in their career, in their industry, and really learn how you got here, but also how you're still getting there to wherever that aspiration is through our Dev Talks. So we've kicked off Dev Talks. It's a little play on TED Talks, but really it's about what's your career story. So let's just start there, Jasmine. Tell us a little bit about your story and your career. All right, you guys. So I started going to college for broadcast journalism. And all throughout college, I was interested in everything under the sun. I've just always had a vast interest. So I couldn't pinpoint just one thing that I was interested in. But I also loved communication and also storytelling. So that's why I chose broadcast journalism, because I was like, well, this is my opportunity to like tell all the stories. Um, so I ended up in, interning when I was in college for Procter & Gamble. Mind you, I, graduated, I, I was in college between 2007 and 2011, just to give you guys um, the time range, because it is now 2021. But I like to start with this so that I can give you a little bit of background on why I'm a multitasker and where I am today because of all of the interesting experiences that I had between 2007 and 2011. So I interned for Procter & Gamble. I interned at News Channel 3 in Memphis. I had um, interned for the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation. 
I interned on the Hill um, in Washington, D.C. I had done probably eight internships by the time I graduated in multiple different fields. And so I wanted to get all that experience from a communications and press and marketing standpoint, because I knew even if I didn't go into broadcast journalism, I was still going to be able to do something where I could tell stories and also hone the interest that I was really wanting to be a part of. So um, my last semester of college, I lived in D.C. That's when I was working on the Hill and also for the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation. Came back home. I could not find a job in broadcast journalism. But I also decided then that maybe broadcast journalism wasn't wasn't for me. So luckily, I didn't just set myself up to do a broadcast journalism internship. So I had more experience than just a one track experience um, doing broadcasting at News Channel 3 in Memphis. So I was able to pivot and go towards marketing, which is where I've been for the past 10 years. So from 2011 to 2021, here we are, and I am still in marketing. So I am in marketing for self, and I am in marketing for corporate. So that's TED Talk tip number one. Make sure that you are exploring all of your interests, but then also acting on all of those interests. So whether it is, you know, you taking internships or you job shadowing people or you getting a mentor in different spaces, because I think as adults, we tend to think, oh, well, I'm not going to intern. I'm 30 something. Why would I be an intern anymore? Well, you still need to have some sort of concept of how that particular business runs. And so I think the more that you do and the more areas you can step your foot in, you're going to be able to pivot and twist and turn throughout this crazy path that we're all going through in what what is today's career landscape, because it's not straight and narrow like it used to be. It's not, well, I'm going to college for a said subject. When I graduate for, from college, I'm going to be able to walk straight into said field. And then I'm going to have this awesome retirement plan set up for me so I can retire at age 50 and sit on the beach somewhere. It doesn't look like that anymore. And so um, my first marketing job out of college, I worked for First Tennessee Corporate. I was a marketing manager um, and I ran all their social media. I worked on their website. You name it. I was a young person with the experience from multiple different arenas. And so they put it on my plate. And so I, I ran with it from First Tennessee. I got the financial um, the financial realm experience and then went on to work for Humana, which is health insurance. So I ran social media for Humana. And then um, after getting a little bit of experience in corporate America, I decided as a creative and working on the marketing side of the business, I decided that my broadcast journalism degree and the couple of years of experience that I had was just not enough to sustain any sort of leadership position within corporate. Unfortunately, the people who work on the creative side are looked at just like that, or they were looked at that way in 2011 and 2012 because creatives and social media weren't a job. Like people didn't understand um, the logistics of digital marketing yet. And so it just wasn't appreciated on the level that it needed to be appreciated. And so I decided to go and get my MBA because I said, if I have to sit at the table, I'm not only going to, I knew the business side because I had been doing um, some freelance marketing for small businesses and stuff. And obviously I'd worked in all these different industries. So I knew the business side, but um, nobody cares necessarily what you know. Sometimes they care about what's on paper. So getting TED, tip, TED talk number two tip 
getting your certifications, getting your pieces of paper that we call degrees, it's still necessary as much as we would like for it not to be. It is still necessary in certain industries and certain career paths. And so um, I'm getting blown up right now. Sorry if you can hear that. Um, but that is part of the TED Talk. You have to be able to multitask. You read messages and you talk at the same time. Click, click, click. Come on, okay. talk with the tips, okay? <laughs> so anyway, so we're moving. We're moving, okay? So I got my MBA. I've got a couple years of experience. And then I have also been doing freelance marketing this whole time while I was also building my own brand because I learned early on that I needed to build my own brand. Um, and part of that I learned from broadcast journalism, because whenever you are starting to apply for jobs in the broadcast journalism realm, you have to have a reel. The reel is a portfolio of you speaking. It's basically you storytelling. You also have to have a resume. Your resume is everything that you've done. It's got your education on it. It's got the physical things that you have actively been a part of. And so I learned to put together portfolios. And so that's going to be TED Talk tip number three. You need a portfolio. I have an online portfolio that has uh, clients that I've worked with. Um, it has major milestones that I was able to hit within the corporate jobs that I've had. It also has um, examples of the work that I've been able to do with my own influencer and brand building business. And so um, if anyone asks me for a professional, any sort of professional advice or where my expertise comes from, I direct them to my portfolio link. It is separate from my blog. I have a blog separately. It is separate from my personal brand because it encompasses all of that, but it is there. So I have a Grammy award-winning client. I have worked with a couple of small coffee shops. I have um, managed other artists. So I was helping them build their brands and I'm getting, again, way past college where I had this mindset of I need to nurture my interests. I'm still nurturing my interest in the real world at this time. And so um, I was active pretty much doing everything. And I did get tired sometimes, but this is TED Talk tip number, I think, four. Um, while you are young, this is the only time you're going to have the energy to do this. So do it now or do it never. And that was a tip one of my good friends, Joya, told me because I would complain to her about getting off of work and still having to work. And I was just like, I just don't. This can't be life. This isn't what they told us in college. They told us, get a degree and everything's going to be fine. Your retirement plan's going to be set. You're going to be good. And I, that just was not the case. And so, um, again, grappling with where your career is going, where it's at, and what you think it should have looked like at this time as a 20-something, but also still doing the work. You can't allow yourself to give up during this time. You still have to do the work, and you still have to manifest through all of the negativity that's being thrown your way. So I went on and ended up working at Meharry, so Nashville was never on my radar. I was actually engaged um, probably mm, six months before I came to Meharry. And then I was actually interviewing for jobs all across the United States. And then Meharry landed on my doorstep. And I thought it would be a good opportunity for me to dive back into healthcare, but also higher education. I think both are, are great experiences. And higher education is such an awesome place for you to uh, hone any sort of skill set because 
when you work in higher education, it functions like small businesses under one umbrella. And so you're able to really understand what it looks like to run a small business. So your financial aid department is a small business. Your school of graduate studies where I worked is a small business. Your marketing department is a small business. And so everyone's functioning together as a group of small businesses, um, essentially under this higher education umbrella. But then I also was working in healthcare. So there's the clinical side of Meharry too. So um, not only were we trying to market to students, but we're also trying to be leaders in the healthcare space, pumping out doctors and dentists and PhDs to go and do the work. So a lot of the doctors that were coming from Meharry um, we're staying in the Tennessee area and serving in rural communities. So what does that communication strategy look like when you are attempting to get people who are graduating with medical degrees to stay within Tennessee? And also, what does it look like when you're trying to communicate the message of the African-American community in the medical field? So there's all sorts of communication skills that I was also honing in that space and marketing skills that I was honing. But again, I also came from the health insurance side working for Humana. So everything that you do in your career starts to make a little bit more sense as time goes on. And that's why I said you have to have the resilience to keep stepping forward through everything that you thought it was going to look like. It is going to look like it. It's just going to be manifested in a different way. And you just have to be ready to roll with it. So um, I served four years at Meharry and Meharry will always be like family to me. I feel like I got my HBCU degree. I used to tell the students that I graduated with them when I was at Meharry. I would always say, well, I, I got, was here four years. I've graduated with you guys. So um, that's another thing. I think, you know, our parents used to stay at companies. Well, not my parents because I come from an entrepreneurial background, but my in-laws, they stayed at companies. My father-in-law has been there for 40, at FedEx for 40 years. Um, and I asked him last time he was in Nashville, I said, how did you stay there that long? And he said, well, I've been having so much fun. I didn't know that like the time flew by. And he started at FedEx when FedEx was just a new a new kid on the block. And so he's been able to grow with the company. And so you know, I think if you apply his experience to our experiences today, we are also a startup generation. And so if you're going to stay somewhere for 40 years or you're going to stay somewhere for longer than three, four or five years, I think that you have to have some investments to it. Um, it has to be offering you some sort of high term career uh, lineage. It has to be offering you some major benefits. But also don't forget that you are a personal brand. And so the the company that you're working for has to understand that you are a asset brand to them. So you're not, and especially if you're working in the marketing space, you're not just someone who's doing the work. You are also a face that if need be can communicate X, Y, and Z. So I landed at iHeartRadio last year. I've been there for a year come March 1. Um, so I'll just say this. iHeartRadio is media. So I thought I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. So 11 years later, I'm stepping here. Click. Come on. And then. I'm, look, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to hold it in <laughs> so you can complete your dev talk. But it's like, Jim, 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 Jim. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. So then you have media, which encompasses what? Healthcare. I started when? In the middle of a pandemic. I've learned how to do communication for an African-American college, the first African-American college in, in, a, in the medical field. So again, I was ready to step into this role. 
um, everything falls under media, literally everything from, I mean, your politics, you name it, it all falls under media. So the, the internship on Capitol Hill, okay, I can write this inauguration content. We're good to go. I got this all set up. We're good to go. Um, I'm ready to handle the debate tonight. I'm good to go. So again, all those experiences will start to add up. I spoke to some University of Memphis students back in the fall, and um, I wish that somebody had told me what I know now versus the one-track mindset of career path planning versus you just putting your putting your foot in all the puddles and getting a little wet and then you being able to move forward from there. And so um, at iHeartRadio, I am a marketing project manager and I run all of the weekly campaigns. So if I misstep in direction left, right, upside down, um, the company is relying on me to make the right actions, to, to put the words together the right way. So it was a big role for me to start this at the beginning of uh, the pandemic. And also just to give you guys some perspective, iHeart's headquarters was in New York. Um, and now they opened their second headquarters here in Nashville. So I was a part of the first inaugural group to be here in Nashville. And so um, stepping into this role, also iHeart, as most of you guys know, is a media company, but um, we also are very active in the streaming um, industry. So podcast playlists and all radio, all of that is now set up on like digital streaming. And so we have an app. So not only am I doing marketing, but I'm working on the tech side of the business. And there are not very black, very many black women on the tech side of the business. And remember when I told you guys that nobody understood that social media was a job and they didn't really understand that digital marketing was a job. And now here we are. And the only way that we can see how much money we have in our bank is through an app. The only way that we can hear a podcast is streaming through an app. Um, you know, now I'm a part, I'm a part of this industry of storytelling, which is what I wanted to do to begin with. Um, but I'm on the tech side. So I am also pioneering an industry on, on in and up in and of itself. And so I say all that to say from 2007, to 2021, this has been the journey of Jasmine Hockett Sweet in my career path. And it has not been straight and narrow, but it has led me to happiness every step along the way I've elevated. And that's TED Talk tip number five, that you will always elevate if you're showing up um, along the way. Again, it doesn't look like what you thought it would look like, but as long as you keep showing up, you'll elevate. I get people all the time, this is TED Talk tip number six, that are asking me, well, when are you going to quit your job? Are you not making enough money? Or how much money do you need to make in entrepreneurial fees? I have made enough money. I make enough money to where I could do that full time. I can be an entrepreneur full time. I make six figures at both jobs. So <laughs> I think that we also have to stop pushing that narrative that entrepreneurship is the only journey. It's not, you can also make headway in corporate. My job is very rewarding. When people first started working from home, I was delivering resources to people through an app that said, this will help, this music will help you work from home better. These podcasts have excellent tips to help you work from home better. And so I think it's so important to make sure that you're honing both because you might just want to do both. You might be changing the world in one of them. And that's how I feel in both of them. So no, I will not be 
I will be doing them for as long as I can do both. <laughs> yes. How is that for our first dev talk of the Career Thrivers podcast? <laughs> Listen, it was it was a lot said, so that was amazing, Jasmine. I don't even know where to begin. You dropped so much wisdom. Let me just be clear about what it was. I know we use gems and, you know, that's the language. It was wisdom that I hope everyone caught. I know I did. And if the word that keeps flashing up at the top of my mind that I think encapsulates everything that you shared is ownership. Like that is a story of someone who has taken ownership of their career, of your career at every turn. And I absolutely love that. So you hinted at this a little bit. I wanted to ask you in terms of just, so you have these great internship experiences, which I also think um, it, it is just phenomenal. Like we could dive all the way into that for our you know entry level listeners that are you know new in the work uh, space who may be introduced to their role out of an internship. But I'm curious, did you always have kind of a knack for entrepreneurship? You mentioned your parents. Talk to us a little bit about kind of what, when you first kind of got that inkling of business ownership for yourself. Yeah, I always had a knack for entrepreneurship. Um, I, I mean, even though I've worked for people or worked in corporate, what have you, I still feel like I have ownership over myself. Nobody multitask or multitask. No one, um, I guess, what do you call micromanages. it? Micromanages. Yes. See, this is Friday. This is Friday brain. Bear with me. Nobody micromanages me. Um, and I think that, you know, nowadays, even if you have a role like mine, you wouldn't survive if somebody had to micromanage you, especially not in tech because um, it moves so fast. Like there's no way that somebody can micromanage you up every step of the way. So, I mean, whenever I have something that has to go out, my bosses, we have a weekly meeting. I tell them what's happening. He's not saying, well, did you get this done? Did you get that done? And did you get that done? So even in my corporate life, I still have had an entrepreneurial spirit. Both my dad had a construction company um, and my mom pretty much ran the books for him. But meanwhile, she was also a Mary Kay sales director. So she had a car. She was, you know, traveling and doing all the all the good things with Mary Kay because let's face it, Mary Kay was similar to influencer marketing. Now you tell all the women what kind of makeup and lipstick you enjoy and <laughs> she was making away. Um I also am the youngest of five kids and all of my siblings are entrepreneurs. So wow. uh the first three did not go to college. My older brother has a construction company. My sister is um an an international recording artist. Um, my other brother has a pressure washing company. And then my other sister is in corporate, but she also has some entrepreneurial ventures as well. And then there's me who's doing entrepreneurial ventures and also corporate. And when my my oldest sister, the international recording artist, uh, first started out, she trusted me to run all her social media and marketing. And so I did. And she signed to a major record label. She did not have to give me that opportunity. So I've gone to CBS with her. I've been at VH1 with her. Um, I've been, you name it, all the shows. She's sold out um, the Ryman Theater. She has sold out theaters all across the United States. And so um, it's just really exciting that she was even, she even saw a light in me in, in terms of digital marketing. Mm -hmm. And she allowed me to be a part of that experience. So then 
I could also see what I was capable of doing in those spaces. So I had a vision for myself that, you know, and I might be a full-time entrepreneur one day, but right now I also feel like I'm in a, um, an, a historical place <laughs> in my career mm-hmm. where I am able to make a lot of headway for a lot of Black women who will come behind me in tech in the media industry. So um, yeah, but entrepreneurship has always been a part of me. <laughs> it has so always awesome. been a part of me. So good. Yeah. So good. And I'm curious, um, you mentioned, you know, you're, you're in the marketing space. Talk to us a little bit. If we have p- people on that may be interested in marketing, uh, we have that in common in terms of just um, career background and corporate. I spent some time in digital marketing at Pfizer and my entry into marketing was, was likely very different from yours. Um, but what would you say in terms of like the different kinds of marketing? Cause usually people hear marketing and they think one thing, most people probably think social media nowadays. Talk, talk to us a little bit about just the industry of marketing and the different types of marketing. Marketing is 100% the most multifaceted industry. I think anybody can go into because nobody can go to school and get a degree in marketing and come out knowing all of it or how to do best practices of it. And then to all of us who have our degrees in social media, because we have a social media account, you still don't understand the overarching priorities of marketing in general. So you've got traditional marketing, which consists of snail mail and newspapers and that kind of stuff. And then you've got uh, PR. You also have communications. Those are also still forms of marketing in a sense. Um, Then you've got digital marketing, which houses um, social media. But you also, I'm at at iHeartRadio. We own all the radio stations across the United States. So you have radio. I actually interned at a radio station. I didn't mention that one, but I interned at a radio station when I was an undergrad. And I did the positive news story every week. (laughs) I can can totally see that. (laughs) So yes. And then... um, You also have TV marketing. You've got tech marketing, which is now a landscape that a lot of companies are trying to figure out um, what that looks like. So there's so many different facets to marketing. So uh, usually what companies call their marketing strategies, they call them comprehensive marketing strategies because they encompass so many different aspects and it can get so deep that you need 400 people to help work on different campaigns. When I'm running a campaign, um, even at iHeart, I mean, I'm generally working with everybody in the marketing department from QA to somebody who's building code on the back end to me, to the creative team, to people on the radio side, the radio programming side. There are so many people that go into me building one campaign And yesterday I was on a call with my, or not yesterday, but two days ago, I was on a call with my team and my boss said, Jasmine, can you update the calendar for the rest of the year? Because right now you got to celebrate Black History Month until December. (laughs) I said, well, we are celebrating Black History 365. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so my, again, me managing those weekly campaigns, I set the tone for everybody else. And so whenever we have, whenever I update the calendar and then I push out the copy, then the social media team takes what I have done and then they create their own derivative of it. Um, and then the QA team is testing what I've done on the back end, and they're saying, well, we can't do this because that link doesn't work. And so everybody has their hands in the vision 
And then I am pushing the ideation of it. And then my boss is the final check the balances of the whole situation. And he's saying, yes, this looks great. No, we need to change that. I don't like that word. And that's another tip that I'll give. It's not personal when somebody tells you they don't like it. It's not personal. Sometimes it's just not functional or it's not going to be the best decision for the business. Or it could be that you are you have a biased opinion. Um, and that's another reason why in marketing we have so many hands in the bucket because everybody is all hands on deck. Everybody needs to have a perspective. So, And that's another reason why representation in the marketing industry, um, in those who work in corporate, is so necessary. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, um, there wasn't a full campaign planned for um, a, a particular event. And so I came in and I said, we need a full campaign for this. Um, it's huge. The climate in general right now says that we need to celebrate this particular event. So we need a full campaign. And the campaign needs to be every sort of marketing piece we can possibly put out. And that's what we did. But had I not been there to facilitate that as a Black woman, um, it may not have been pushed forward. And so I think, you know, again, we're pushing entrepreneurism for all of us, which is a great move to do. But also, who will speak for us in the major conglomerates if we all jump ship? And so some of us have to make the sacrifice and be be the history and, you know, make the move. So that's, so that's my so that's so TED cute. Talk. Let's see, what number are we on? <laughs> Listen, we up in the double digits because you had some tips that you didn't even give a number for. I guess that was like the sub bullet underneath. But this has been so good. And I could not agree with you more, Jasmine, because I think sometimes we misappropriate the goal of entrepreneurship in the first place, at least in my mind. It's really not to be an entrepreneur. It is to build a business, to be able to employ other people. So this mindset that like, you know, being an employee is a, is a terrible thing. Well, if you're in the if you're at a business, right, if you work at a business, you work at a company where you can learn and you can grow and also you can hone your skills that will one day, if it's your aspiration, make you a great business owner. And one of those skills is leadership. And so, of course, Career Thrivers, we're a leadership development firm. We have many leaders that listen to our show. And one of the things that I hear in your story that um, I can remember back as a marketer is that being a marketer hones that skill of being able to influence without authority. So you've got all of these people, just like you said, that are a part of a campaign and you own the campaign and you've got to influence people to act that don't report into you. Talk to us a little bit about some of what you've learned in terms of being a leader and being able to, you know, get to know people and just the human side of working and connecting with people to get things done. Gotcha. Well, I have to take you back again. I know y'all are sick of going back to 2007, but I actually um, graduated from high school with a leadership scholarship, a full leadership scholarship to go to the University of Memphis. So I was in, I've always done leadership things. I've always been in leadership programs and the full focus of the four years under that scholarship was to do leadership training. And so that's what I did. Um, So everything from leading organizations to being active in the community were all requirements of that. Um, So again, having my foot in a puddle and just getting wet in the leadership industry also taught me, and then doing all those different internships, it also taught me where and how I needed to communicate in the corporate space. 
Now, I will say when I was at First Tennessee, I had a fellow sister. She was a brown sister. And she said to me one time I was venting to her and she said, well, don't you think you need to build some rapport first before you start doing X, Y and Z? And I said, no, because I'm doing X, Y and Z and my work speaks for itself and I'm kind and I'm polite and I'm managing what I need to manage. And if someone can't see that, then I just I I might need to move on from this situation. And you said something a minute ago when you said you should be able to work at a company where you can grow. Yes, you should be able to work at a company where you can maybe even create your own department and maybe even um, have an input in the organizational structure, because sometimes the higher ups are so out of touch with the with the actual logistics of what's going on that they don't even realize that such and such needs to be reporting to such and such and such and such. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that I had enough confidence and leadership in myself to say to this older mentor, um, we're not mentor, older lady that I was working with, who was a sister, um, who probably should have offered me some encouragement versus um, demean me. I think a lot of times we are demeaning younger people and that's not what we need to do. We need transparency and we also need to to lift them up and show them the way. Um, and so I think I probably would have even listened to her a little bit better had she come from that place. So what I've learned about communicating to people who don't report to me is that you are, you have to come from a place of empathy, but also a place of authority. So you are owning your project. And like I told her, I'm managing my project and everybody sees that they're going to get in line because leadership is, is not just seen, it is felt. And so it's one of those things where when you send an email and the email is enthusiastic and it is also very well organized and it's direct and you've addressed all the people that you need to address. And and then you put links to things and you've attached the right documents and you're not having to follow up. What I do is I'll send an email to my personal email address, check it, click all the links through it. And then I'll go back and send it to everybody that I need to send it to. Because the last thing you want to do is ask somebody to follow you and you don't have all your I's dotted and your T's crossed. Again, you have to be the manager of your project, but you also have to be able to communicate to people in a way that fosters them. It doesn't demean them. And so I learned that early on in my career. I think that that's a great leadership tool is to, is to you have to drive the, drive the group and you've got to drive your own train and then everyone else is going to get on it. And the funny thing is um, Dr. Hildreth at Meharry would always say, I'm on the train, and if you don't want to get on it, then get off. And so, <laughs> and he would go through everything that he had going on the train, and I don't know that very many people were jumping. <laughs> so not immediately anyway. They might have wanted to because naturally none of us are just set on one place to be in life. And so, but I think it's so necessary for you to, yeah, ride the train. If it's not your train, it's okay. Catch the next one. (laughs) Catch the next one. Catch the next one. (laughs) Catch the next one. I mean, we are moving at the speed of technology. Fast. Every single day, (laughs) something different. And you mentioned your experience of being one of a few Black women in tech. We know that we have many listeners who 
understand and feel that sentiment of being the, whether it's the youngest in the room or the only black woman in the room, talk to us a little bit about what advice you would give to leaders in terms of how to cultivate a more inclusive culture where they want to see more representation. What would you say to leaders? I would have to say, are you speaking of who these, who they could possibly be reporting to? Or are you speaking about people in general? Yeah. So leaders in general, you know, leaders that may be white leaders that say, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, we want to see more representation. I was having a conversation and just to add some context to this, I was having a conversation yesterday with a team who we were having a conversation around allyship, going through some, some training and some curriculum. And several of the leaders were saying, well, one of the struggles that we see Right. We know that the talent is out there, but we have a hard time identifying the talent. And that's a whole I know another conversation and road we could go mm-hmm. down. So there's this desire. Let's say let's say in this example, you are a white leader. You have a desire to see more representation. What would you say to leaders like that that are trying to um, take a step in the right direction as it relates to inclusion and equity? I think that organizations have to let it be known publicly that that's that's what they're looking for specifically. I think a lot of times, and it does have a lot to do with HR too and policies, they can't necessarily say what they want to say. And, you know, we we have a lot of things we'd like to say that we can't say what we want to say as Black people working in corporate. We're in positions where we can't Um, we can't, and it might, it might depend on where you are with a certain project or what have you, but you can't necessarily overstep the boundaries just yet. So I think it's kind of hard to give somebody just one direct answer about that. Um, I will say that, um, there is a lot of black talent out here. Um, and I think that a lot of times it's not considered, it's, it's just not, but there's so many levels. I mean, just like marketing, HR is also multifaceted. They've got external recruiters. They're hiring agencies to do it. Um, and then you have people who are working at the agencies that don't even understand the business side. So they're not accurate. They're not even accurately recruiting for things. Um, but I also think that I, I've had some interesting situations on both sides. Uh, I will speak to my black friends right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Again, you have to be a manager of your skill set and what you bring to the table. I have even received DMs from people on my own personal Instagram channel. And one in particular said, can I send you my resume? I said, what position are you interested in getting? Because it could have been for jasminesweet.blog, or it could have been for iHeartRadio, or it could have been at Walmart. Because all she said to me was, can I send you my resume? Yeah. Yeah. And so I took the time and I said, what position are you looking for? Instead of saying no, I kept the door open so that then I could have a conversation with her about the appropriate means to communicate with somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I tell people all the time, if you want to be in a certain space, if you want to go into a sales job, then you need to make sure that you have all of your accolades need to be put in one place. If you have one web page that has, I got X amount of sales in quarter one, two, three, four of 20 in year 2014, it needs to be organized as such. Hire a graphic designer, you know, screenshot those sales goals every time you finish up a quarter, put those in a file folder on your computer so that you have them. If you have some major results from some campaign that you have, 
set those aside, screenshot um, what you've done, get on your social media and talk about these things that, that you've done from a career perspective. I think a lot of times for us, we can be so busy telling people how much money we make or what kind of cars we're driving or how many degrees we have in some sense that people aren't seeing that we also have the experience and the know-how to get the job done. Mm -hmm. And I don't want any of us to water ourselves down. And so that's why I say that. I did have another girl. um, She was actually applying for a job at Meharry and she reached out to me and she said, I know, I know you don't know me. I follow you on Instagram. She also DM'd me and she said, but I am interviewing for a job at Meharry and I know you work there and you talked about it on your social media, how it was rewarding to work for students. So again, I was sharing my experiences of how it was rewarding to work there and work for the, be at the service of the students. And so she saw that. And so as somebody who then began looking for another job, because we also have to inspire each other. And that is, TED talk number, I don't know what, but we also have to uplift and inspire each other so that we can see that the opportunities are there for us to want to be interested in to apply. So she reached out to me on Instagram and she was like, your enthusiasm made me want to apply. I've gotten all the way through. Now I'm doing the interview process. Um, And she said, can I talk to you a little bit more about it? Can I send you my resume to look at? So I messaged her back and I said, hey, set up a Zoom call with me. And we can talk about it. And I took 30 minutes out of my day to set up a Zoom call with her because she showed interest and because she seemed to have made it far enough through to get to her final interview process. And then what's funny is my colleagues at from Harry, they called me and said, hey, when she interviewed, she said she'd talk to you and we just want to know what you think of her. So then they asked me for my thoughts on hiring her. So I also think that, you know, the dots will connect, but we all have work to do in order to get each other placed in places. And I told her, I said, go there, get your experience, and then let's go. We don't stay there. Um, Higher education is great, but I know when I talked to her on her Zoom call, she had mentioned that she had higher aspirations to go into marketing in other areas. She said, I want to do what you're doing. I want to get into that too. And so I said, well, here's some things that you need to do while you're there. Um, You know, that helps her on her interview too. So, and even if, you know, whatever happens, she can always say that another Black woman was able to help cultivate her and get her prepared to go into her new role and the role after that and the role after that. But I think in a sense, um, as to higher ups who are saying that they can't find Black people, I get it. Um, it's a deeper conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a deeper conversation. Um, my husband manages people and he he's constantly looking for people, people in general. I'm not just speaking about black people, but people in general who have work ethic, who can show up to work, who can follow the rules, who are, will abide by a dress code. I mean, you would be surprised like entrepreneur, entrepreneur, <laughs> entrepreneurship yeah. is really, you know, not to say that it's it's not fostering people to to work anymore, but it's like we're seeing what we see on social media and then we're choosing not to actually follow through with anything. It's like so even for him, it's hard to hire people in general. Mm-hmm. It's hard for him to to find people. I mean, he's calling people saying you got on the wrong color pants. 
Yeah, that, that's what I definitely hope that listeners, particularly those, and I think you do a fantastic job of this, Jasmine, of shedding light into all of your life. Right. There, there, there are many influencers that keep it focused on beauty and fashion. And, you know, I love not me. style and fashion, but Jasmine is going to give you style and substance. And I appreciate that because it helps people to understand. And I know they're hearing it through this conversation that the dots connect. Like that may be the quote for the episode, because I think so often we think like, you know, I have this far off vision, this far off aspiration from a career perspective, and I need to jump into it yesterday. Well, perhaps there's a skill set that you need to hone that will help you with that vision right in the job that you're complaining about today. So not taking those opportunities for granted and recognizing that, hey, there are skills that you can hone. And if you are thinking about yourself as an owner, as we've heard you share, right, you're, you're leveraging experiences at every crossroads um it helps you when you get to that next thing so I guess the the last thing I want us to tap into because I know many of us know you as jasminesweet.blog right we we are we are know know you as an influencer and a blogger so talk to us a little bit about how you got into that lane and how do you balance being an influencer and a a mega marketer over at (laughs) iHeartRadio So I have always been in the influencer industry. I feel like before it was like an influencer industry. I actually don't even like the word influencer. So can we just write influencer (laughs) and scratch it out? Um, Because what bothers me about being a part of this industry, and I just had this conversation with a friend the other day. I said, I feel like I'm in an industry of frauds because that's probably... (laughs) A little bit about, I mean, if I'm just being real and candid, it can feel that way. Because as you mentioned, um, what we see of influencers are people who have gotten large followings, but they don't understand how to actually speak to their followings. um, And they don't understand how to adequately influence people. So they're not necessarily helpful in people's lives. I mean, washing clothes and dishes and me telling you what what color lipstick I have on is just not going to help you prepare for the things that you have going on in your life. Um, Or you have the group that is, let me show you everything that I can buy, but not dive into a budget sheet and the details of the budget and you know, your return on the investment of somebody or that deal. <laughs> and so it's, it's very hard to come across influencers who are willing to speak on political issues, who are willing to be transparent about marriage and friendships, who are willing to go past just a cute outfit. I'll post a cute outfit. I posted one yesterday with my good friend, Sarah, who I've never met in person, um, but she's she's another blogger and she's all the way in Arizona and we've just followed each other for a long time and we were DMing one day and she was like, yeah, let's let's buy this, some H and M outfits and like show people and this is how well the dots connect. Okay, we talked about that back in November mm-hmm. and then the inauguration happened a couple of days ago and all the ladies showed up. And we inaugurated our first Madam Vice President, Kamala Harris. And so the post went out the next day, which was yesterday, of Sarah and I, a white woman and a black woman. Hello, I have a dream seat. Hello, somebody. (laughs) Hello, somebody. 
And not only were we talking about affordable fashion from H&M, but we were talking about the connection of social media and how rich it can be and how well you're able to educate somebody. Sierra, I've talked to her several times about um, the plight of Black people. And so she speaks out on her social media. She has over 700,000 followers. And then there's little old me in comparison to her, who's got 70-something thousand followers. But I also have a lot of expertise. This is my way of life. I'm Black. So, yeah. <laughs> so this is my, this is, this is, but she was willing to share my experience with her audience. So connecting the dots, this was initially an idea that we just had as two women that were like, and it wasn't, it wasn't to talk about the sisterhood. Yeah. So it was initially to talk about how you can find affordable fashion on H&M. And then it turned into that. So I think that when we think of influencers who are of substance, you want to follow people who were influencers in their real life anyways. I always tell people like my audience is um, my top three demographics are Memphis, Nashville, and New York. Um, and they the third one interchanges for like DC, Houston, and Atlanta. It just depends on the day. But my top two demographics, I lived in Memphis for almost 10 years. My sorority sisters are there. There's 44 of them. My profiles are there. My neos, neos, neos are there. You know, I was active in the community. I competed in Miss Memphis like three or four times. You know, I built an audience in Memphis and I've taken them with me along the road. It's not like I just like came up with this group of folks who just all of a sudden started following me. And now I'm trying to sell them the latest pair of shoes. That's not who I am. That's not what I'm about. My people have come over time. My people have come with, you know, let me tell you about Jasmine or that let me tell you what she said about this, or even in the midst of all that we've been facing, because I hate to say, you know, race issues have been around. I think all of all of a sudden people are saying in 2020 that, oh, well, everything that happened this year, and I'm looking like, you mean everything that's been happening year after year? And so the problems aren't new, but the people that are paying attention to them often are, which is why absolutely, feels, you know, new. Yes, but it's not new. And um, I think a lot of the things that we face in life, I mean, I lost my dad uh, four years ago now. Um, I talk about that on my social media. I'm very open about it. I connected with you about your experience. Um, You posted one day and I went on there and left a comment about my experience. Um, I've had other people who've lost people and they were like, I'm so glad you shared that. I had another girl who was um, trying to have a baby and she's been trying for a while. And the day that I was talking about the grief of my father, she was like, I'm so glad that you posted that because I'm grieving this experience. Um, And so I think that that is real influence when you can offer people more than just clothes and shoes and a lifestyle that can be far-fetched for some, because I also realized that everybody doesn't have the resources or the money to attain certain things. So how dare me flaunt X, Y, and Z um, in a certain way to make somebody feel less than. Now I'm all here for celebrating. I keep seeing these quotes that are like, oh, black women should uh, you know, enjoy all the luxuries. And I think so, but I think there's a way to do it that has a lot of humility behind it. Mm-hmm. So um, that's just my, my take on influencer life. I'm sure people will disagree with me and probably hate me because I said the industry has some frauds in it, but... Um, every industry has frauds in it. 
Um, <laughs> true. Well, we, I, let me speak for myself. I appreciate you saying that because I, I've, I've had, I am not an influencer, um, <laughs> uh, in the, in the social media sense, but in the John C. Maxwell sense of leadership is influence. I do believe that. And I think that, you know, there is a generational dynamic to this as well, but I think the, that, that word, the language of influence because of social media, right? And I think it's just one of those things that just, it is what it is. Um, it's lost some of its meaning, just like mm-hmm. you said, in terms of being able to, when I think about influence, I think about inspiring people to meaningful action and to mm-hmm. inspiring them to action that's going to have a positive impact, you know, on their lives. And sometimes that means going down to Sephora and getting the latest, you know, trying to yeah. do facial mask, you know, but oftentimes yeah. it means, you know, how are you being resilient? How are you persevering? How are you owning mm-hmm. who you are and your brilliance mm-hmm. and your story and showing up fully? And so I just appreciate that you do that on a consistent basis. In addition to the super fly looks <laughs> Thank that you, you are always I mean, giving us. Thank um, you. I mean, it's definitely, it's a lot of fun. I feel like for me, um, content creation and being able to write and share those experiences, it's just a lot of fun for me. Like, it's not just um, me waking up and showing you a makeup routine. I always tie it back to something because I feel like life is full of the tiniest lessons. And we learn them through things like a skincare routine or we can learn, but it's, it's, it's all about who's coaching you through this. And I think a lot of times the influencers, the influencer world is not necessarily full of coaches. Um, it is full of posers. Um, and so I think that that can, I think we need some more coaches. So, I mean, I, I would say that timeliness is something that the influencer world should work on because life is going to keep happening to all of us collectively because what is affecting one of us is going to affect all of us yes. um, in the wise words of Dr. Martin Luther King. And so I think that a lot of times I've seen influencers ignore what's going on in society versus calling it out. And no one's asking anybody to be a political activist. People are just asking that you acknowledge and also um understand that your community is perceiving things in different ways, especially if your community is a diverse community and they might need to hear a different perspective. And so one of the posts that I posted recently, I just said hearts are changing because oh, back over the summer when I spoke out, I kind of felt a little bit defeated um, when I was speaking out sometimes. But then over the over the course of the past seven months, I've seen hearts change. So I for sure have have witnessed people that are like, oh, well, I didn't see it that way. But now I do. I'm glad you said something. And so I think a lot of times influencers also can be afraid to use their voices. But when you do say something, um, nobody's expecting you to be an expert of it. They're just expecting you to acknowledge and be willing to learn something from it because your influencing is a full circle. It's not like you just giving to people. It's also you being able to receive um, what people are wanting to tell you as well. So it's, it's an interesting role. You have definitely um, led the charge in that. And so when we think about ownership, 
owning your voice is a big part of that. I, I, I attended the session that you did. I don't even know if you knew that I was on, but the session that you did with Liza for Style Blueprint. Yeah. And inclusion. And it was so good. One, I was so glad to see um, that media outlet make space for the conversation, but then you just absolutely brought it. So I hope that that encourages others to know that, listen, none of us are experts at all. I have chosen to do this work, which means I have chosen to learn every single day what I need to do to be better, to help leaders and organizations be more equitable for everybody. So all of us are on a learning journey. And when we own our voice, own our power, own our stories, own our experiences, it, it makes hearts change. And so thank yeah. you for your influence and your leadership in what you do. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I definitely, it's a, it's a hard place to be sometimes when you know that you're trying to change hearts, but at the same time, just be authentic amongst an industry. Social media in general has caused a lot of rifts in people's lives. I mean, it's such a great tool. It's 95% of the time, I think a great tool. But I think all of us can say at some point in our lives of social media, or our exposure to it, that it has affected us in one way or another, um, technology in general. So, you know, um, obviously, it has affected people. So, in I think there's so many documentaries about it. There's podcasts about it. And even in the psychology world, they're doing studies around it. And so I think that, you know, we all have to do our parts in making the social media hemisphere a kind and genuine place as much as we can. Um, It's so funny because my husband and I laugh about it. And we always say, why would people do X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, it's almost like, why would why are people still catfishing? You know that show Catfish yeah, is yeah. still on <laughs> in 2021 with the internet. You can now research people. And for whatever reason, yes, <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? But you asked me one more question about how I manage it all. Um, I stopped procrastinating a long time ago. So that is going to be, I guess, my last and final tip to anyone watching this TED Talk is stop procrastinating because there's no way that you can um, run your household. I am a wife. I am focused on our finances. Um, I am working full time. I'm also managing full on campaigns at work. But I also manage full-on campaigns at in my part-time blog, blog gig or what have you, influencer work or whatever. And there are times when I might be working on five or six campaigns at the same time. So I am coming up with the ideology of it. I'm reading through contracts as if I'm a lawyer. I am answering other emails for potential collaborations in the future. I'm working on content that isn't a collaboration. So I call that filler content. Um, that's the content that I just love and want to share. There are times when I'm scheduling my photographer, um, she shoots the content and then I'm editing the content. Um, I am a one man band when it comes to doing my influencer stuff. I don't have anybody that works for me. There's um, times when I am my own stylist. I always do my own makeup. Um, I'm literally doing pretty much my entire checklist for my business myself. And so if you wait until the last minute, I've already planned my February content. Um, some of it's already been shot or will be shot come next weekend. I'm actually taking a break this weekend to kind of just debrief because doing both, you also need to give yourself a break. But um, procrastination will kill anything that you're doing. 
So schedule ahead, plan ahead, email people with their own notes so that you don't have to do much follow-up, let people know what you need to do, set guidelines for yourself, um, financial guidelines. There's only so much that I'm going to invest in my business each month. You need to know that number. Um, you need to not go over that number. Your return on investment is not going to come back in if, you're, uh, if your output is always higher. Um, you need to continuously be learning and reading books and listening to podcasts. I said that the other day on my social media. I said people think that learning stops at grade school. It does not, especially not in a world where technology is king. It is, you have to continue to work through things. So I think that that's what's keeping me afloat with both. Um, and I just, I share my natural life. It's a lifestyle blog. So I share what what I'm doing. I share campaigns that I enjoy doing at work sometimes, not all the time, but I'll, I'll share a little bit of work sometimes, but yeah. Um, a lot of the campaigns that you guys see, I probably shot them a month or two ago. <laughs> so. you, you heard it here on your time plan ahead. I love that. Yes. Right. We don't have room for procrastination. And that is so, so true. How can we yes. stay connected with you, Jasmine? You can stay connected. Yes, for sure. You can stay connected with me on jasminesweet.blog, but also I'm most active on Instagram. So you can follow me there or on Twitter at Jasmine Katrina. Katrina is my middle name. And uh, yeah, and I'm sure Brittany will be more than happy to connect you even further. Yes, I will (laughs) absolutely make sure those links are in the show notes of this episode. So make sure you head on over, click, follow Jasmine, stay connected with her. And the last question that we always leave on asking our guests is what does being a thriver mean to you? Being a thriver is somebody who actually enjoys the process. My model for this year is peace through the process because I am a hustler by heart and by trade and by um, just just in general. <laughs> and so I decided that I'm not only going to hustle, but I'm also going to have peace through the process. And that's how I'm going to thrive in 2021. <laughs> well, you heard it here on our first ever Dev Talk and stay connected. We have more coming. Jasmine, thank you so much for kicking off this new series for us in 2021. And as we always end on, keep thriving. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Thrivers Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating and a review and stay connected with us. You can find us on Instagram at Career Thrivers Email us directly at careerthrivers.com, which is the website. The email is info at careerthrivers.com or simply click the link in the show notes to drop your feedback, questions that you want answered on the show, or to get more information about our sponsorship spots. I cannot wait to speak with you next week. Until next time, keep thriving. We'll talk soon.